0: I am Mike Cadlick from CLNS joined by Alex Barth from the Sports Hub. Uh, we are here to break down Patriots versus Raiders coming up on Sunday at 4.05 to the McDaniels Bowl, Alex. Um, Patriots longtime offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels, obviously the head coach now out in Vegas, having yeah. a so-so season. They're 5-8. Patriots 7-6, somehow holding on to a playoff spot here. Um, so let's preview the game. Uh Let's get it. Well, first, actually, I wanted to make a quick note on just the quick nuance that I had texted you about earlier. I think it's kind of fascinating, and people giving McDaniels um, a lot of crap out in Vegas, and rightfully so, because they haven't been great, but something that, I don't know if it's a McDaniels wrinkle, and I'm not sure who their special teams coordinator is out there, but they made a really unique adjustment, and I think it's perfect for this Patriots Beach show, because it's like really inside football, and I I just had to you know talk about it. So Basically, Daniel Carlson, who's a really solid kicker for Vegas, what they've been doing on their kickoffs is, if you've noticed, they have a holder out there all the time. And yeah, you know, might think to yourself, "Oh, why are why are they using a holder inside?" Or there's no wind; it's you know a clear, sunny day, and wherever they're playing, why are they using a holder? And what they've right. been doing this what they've been doing this season is actually holding the football on like the outside of the tee, and so on top of the tee, and not inside the tee um it's so basically it gives you know a larger service area for the kicker to kick allows them to get under the ball a little bit more and it adjusts the hang time of the football on kickoffs it gave it gave them a great advantage on kickoffs for you know a decent amount of time this season the NFL just out, uh outlawed the the rule um or changed the rule rather sort of uh right in the middle of the season so the ball now has to sit inside the tee and Vegas won't be able to do this but i thought it was i thought it was you know a, a little bending the rules type thing for mcdaniels that you know again people give him crap but i thought it was i thought it was interesting
1: you can't hear me right now can you i can hear you oh okay right i thought my my mic wasn't working it was saying it because it was saying it wasn't working i don't know i was like tapping it i was waiting for anyway Um, you're good all right good um yeah no it's 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 a fascinating thing and i didn't notice it until you texted me and that's uh it's one of those things. It wasn't illegal because nobody had tried it. They had never needed right. to make it illegal. So, and it's something that I wonder. I, I had noticed a couple weeks ago the Raiders were holding. They had a holder indoors, and I, I, I guess I never. I should have looked into it. I never looked into it. My question would be going forward: is okay? So you can't use a holder to do that, but they obviously still have to let you use a holder when it's too windy, so right. you can actually get the kickoff off. When you do that, will teams start putting the ball up higher, or right, will there be some way for them to? I like you have to really be looking at that. Like you, right. I'm I'm not sure that a ref is close enough to be able to. I've never seen it in person, so I'm not sure how different it looks in person. I don't have the best eyesight, but right. I wonder how, like, if that's something they can see in real if time, it's, in or person. if it's something
0: no. they'll they'll police if they do have to bring a holder in, right?
1: Right. How many teams are going to be like, oh, it's, you know, a little windy out here. We're going to go we're going to go put a holder over there so we can, uh, you know, make sure the ball doesn't blow up. Right. Is it going yeah. to be the ball has to blow off the tee for you to use a holder? So it's going to be really interesting.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, McDaniels, when I asked him about it, he said that he apparently he said that they they did clear with the league and originally they said it was OK. But then they ended up changing it, and it, it does have to sit inside the T. So, again, I thought it was interesting, but will not happen yeah. any longer with the Vegas Raiders. Um, but let's get right into it. Patriots taking on the Raiders again. Five and eight Raiders, seven and six Pats. Uh, they'll do it up at four oh five on Sunday. They were flexed out of Sunday Night Football, so again, afternoon game, uh, one o'clock in Vegas. But uh, starting with the Patriots offense against this Raiders defense, I sort of see it as who's not going to play worse. It's not so much who can outbeat the other one, just because, you know, Patriots offense isn't great. Raiders defense hasn't been great this year. Um, Raiders are allowing the eighth most points per game in the NFL and the ninth most yards per game. Patriots, middle of the pack offense, per points per game, they're like 15th, scoring 21, and they have the ninth fewest yards per game at like 320. So when we start to look at this Raiders defense and we talk about the three levels on this show so much, it's... It, I feel like ever since it's been brought up here, we've sort of been able to pick those guys out on each team. The Raiders don't have that. They have a solid I edge. Mean, we didn't
1: do it last week. We, I don't know that we would have been able to do it last week. Unless I guess oh, yeah, if you okay. want to count Isaiah Simmons as a linebacker. Yeah, it was the I don't, linebacker. Right. I count him as a safety, but yeah. But all right, if you go ahead with the Raiders, what do what the Raiders got? But the point being, point
0: being it's, it's Max Crosby up front. But then I don't really know about their, you know, their their linebackers and well, I, I, and okay. Max
1: Crosby and Ch- Chandler Jones can play too. Let's not. I know he had a sure. slow start to the
0: season, but he's come on here. That's that's sort of yeah right. So it's I mean it's Crosby and Jones who are two bookends uh, out in front or yeah. you know, on the front line. Um, linebackers though, I don't really see it with Denzel Perryman. Uh, he's he's fine. He's a journeyman backer. But then in their he's back end, good player. I wouldn't put him on that level exactly right and then not right. someone you necessarily have to game plan for and then in the back end it's sort of Duron Harmon, and that's pretty much it Duron harmon has been arguably their best offensive back so i don't know what do you think of this raiders defense You sort of you know
1: big picture how do you how do you think it goes i think they're kind of similar to the patriots defense to a lesser extent like i think the patriots have better linebackers i think they're better in the secondary but the pass rush is so good they right. make everybody they elevate everybody else Right. So I think, and, you know, Patrick Graham, who was in new England prior to the acquisition, I mean, I think he was here a little bit after as well, but he was kind of here in those Ellis Hobbs years, the, yep. you know, prior to a keep to right. Where that's how the Patriots were built. It was pass rush first. And yeah, the secondary is not as good, but you're not going to have time to exploit them because the pass rush is so dominant. So Against this Patriots offense, it's a really scary proposition, right? Especially because right. Chandler Jones and Max Crosby are coming off the edge, and we know what the Patriots tackles have looked like here. Yep. Really, since the they haven't been great all year, but since the buy, it's been a noticeable drop off. They were playing okay for a portion there in the middle yep. of the year, you know, week seven, eight, nine. Uh, since the bye week, it's it's just been bad. It's been really bad. So. I, I think the defense is good enough. Like they have, they have some players. I like not necessarily playmakers, player maker players. I like, you know, Perryman, you mentioned, I I, I think Trayvon Morig is a good player, right? I think Rocky Austin, and I know he's banged up, but right. he's a good player, but there, I, I don't know that they are guys who can take over a game, but they are guys who can make plays if, and when Max Crosby and Chandler Jones take over a game and right. against the Patriots, that's something that has a serious chance of happening just because of how deficient the Patriots have been blocking on the edge this year, right? I mean, you look
0: at that too. the The, the defensive line of the you know the Raiders uh, allows their back end players to make better right. plays. And I, I should so, yeah. add
1: too. Sorry to cut in. I should add too. Kyle Pekko, no, yeah. their defensive tackles, one of PFF's highest graded pass rushing defensive tackles. They can come up the middle as well, right? But it's it's. I mean, it's really those two guys on the edge. Yeah,
0: I mean, even still, all that being said, right? You have these. I don't want to call them pedestrian because they're solid players, but like. They're fine, and you you say you don't have to worry about them, and you don't have to necessarily game plan specific you game plan specifically for the guys, but they're not you know guys you got to worry about. But New England's so banged up on offense that it's not like there's really any sort of advantage there against a weaker uh, a weaker secondary, right? Because right. Ramondre Stevenson, you know, Ramondre didn't prep. We don't have uh, injury reports out yet for today. They might come in during the show, but Jack Jones, or sorry, not Jack. Devontae Parker, Ramondre Stevenson, Isaiah Wynn on the offense all didn't practice yesterday. Uh, Damien Harris was limited. Jacoby Myers limited with a concussion. And that's so they, we don't I even... think
1: they said uh, Ramondre and Myers weren't out there today for the media portion of practice. So we can add that.
0: So, yeah. So, again, likely probably probably not going to see Ramondre. You don't know where Myers is at with concussion protocol. So, I mean, you're going to go into this game with maybe two rookie running backs. You hope Damien Harris can, you know, maybe take a couple. He was limited, but... With two rookie running backs and then the wide receiver room potentially being Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, who is good but hasn't really had the the run in this offense this season. And then Taquan Thornton, again, it's going to be tough. The matchup's the matchups
1: not great, I don't think, for the Patriots this week. The one thing I'll say is I, I wouldn't characterize this Raiders defense as fast. And sure. when you put Bourne, Aguilar, and Myers out there and Pierre Strong out there, it's a ton of speed. So right. – Look, they're going to have to be screen heavy again, and they're going to have to live in the short game again with those. And it's going to make me want to pull my hair out. No, but but I'll actually give them credit for that because that's good offense. You're doing what you can do, right? I suppose If, if you're facing a really good pass rush, you don't have a good offensive line and you have guys who can create after the catch The quick game like that's a. Why wouldn't you go to the quick game? That, right. that would be of my course. point. I'm going to be frustrated if they go away from it and they try to go back to these five-step drops and these three-to-four-second-round combinations. Now, they have to stick with that, and they can't limit themselves because they're on to backups. We went through right. this when we when we broke down the game on Tuesday. I don't really believe there's any backups in this Patriots offense when you come to the skill positions. I think the whole group's worth rotating. But they're, they're going to have to go to that, that quick-hit stuff again Yep. And there's going to be ways to, to take advantage of that. Bet
0: online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from NFL and bowl season to eSports and the World Cup. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet BetOnline bet online features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. For the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events, head to BetOnline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit make sure you use promo code CLNS50 to receive your rewards. online where the game starts.
1: The one spot I know they have the advantage is in speed. And if they can get Tyquan Thornton running away from guys, they can get Pierre Strong running away from guys, they can get Marcus Jones running away from guys. This is another game. You know, if, if Jalen Mills is back and Jack Jones is healthy, which we'll see, but maybe he can open up a little more on offense. Right. If you can get those players running away from guys – I think that there's a chance to create offense here. Now they have to do that. And there's been a lot of times this year where we've kind of sat here and said, Oh no, duh, this is where they attack. It makes the most sense. And they just never do it. Right. They just don't. Yeah. But they don't really have any other options here. I hate that their break glass in case of emergency option is actually probably has worked the best of, of anything they've tried in the last month and a half. But yeah, I, I actually I, – I don't think it's as dire as that just because there is that speed element and there's that element of the unknown. I You know, I'd be lying if, if I sat here and said I, 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 I don't think there was an element of Ewing theory in the in the game. Do you know what Ewing theory is? No, I'm not familiar. <laughs> Please so explain a, for me and the viewers. Yeah, so it's a, it's a Bill Simmons thing, which – whatever. Okay. But it's basically in, in the 80s when the Knicks sucked like, they had Patrick Ewing, but, like, they weren't really good even though Mm -hmm. Patrick Ewing was really good. And this is, I forget the exact explanation. You can Google it, but this is basically what it is. When Ewing left, or when Ewing was hurt, the Knicks would actually play better. And the idea was, when you have Patrick Ewing out there, everybody knows it's going to be built around Patrick Ewing. Right? And as good of a player as he is, you take him away, it becomes a choke point, right? And the offense can't operate. When Ewing's off the floor, not in the game. Well, now the defense doesn't really know what to expect. Right. And everybody's suddenly a threat and you stretch yourself thin and you get more one-on-one and things like that. Right. We've talked about this before. I think Ramondre is a fantastic player, but he was the, he, he, he was the offense the last right. three. Everything weeks, centered was, around him. Yep. Ever since Jacoby went out, I mean, he was, his, his, his touch share was nearing 50% and teams just keyed in on that. They were daring the Patriots to go elsewhere with the ball, and they didn't do it. And it was, all right, Ramondre's going to get a ball on a, sw- a swing pass or handoff or whatever, just crash him, attack him, and the Patriots off. It became a choke point for the Patriots offense. Ramondre comes out, Jacoby Myers comes out. Now there's all these guys that they never use, that they never give the ball to. So what's it going to look like? You don't know. So I do think there's a, there's an element of that in play here the Patriots offense, you never want that to kind of be what you're hanging your hat on. Right. But this is where we're at. And if, if I think that there, there's room for them to take advantage of that. I really do. Right.
0: I mean, we saw it with Mac Jones as well when Mac Jones went out and Zadby comes in. They, it's like they're, they purposely have to add, you know, get more creative in their offensive play calling and utilize right. the strengths of the players on the team where when it's, for some reason, it's like when, you know, the depth chart's full, They just run a more basic offense that, you know, doesn't really get them anywhere. And not so much basic, but kind of, it's almost like they're just kind of running into a wall and nothing.
1: Predictable. It's predictable. They're running the same thing. And look, I get it. You want to get the ball in the hands of your best players. And I'm not saying that, you know, you have, let's call it five players on the field at a time, right? Who can get the ball. I'm not saying it needs to be 20% all across the board, but. Ramondre is more than double the touches of the next closest player on the e So before, I don't, I don't know what the numbers are now, but before the Patriots game, he was at 291, I think it was 290 something in terms of touches this year. That's catches and carries combined. And that's not even including targets. So plays where they throw the ball and he didn't catch it. Right. Catches and carries alone. He was pushing 300. The next closest player is Damian Harris at 97. It's crazy. It's just As If you're a defense and that's what the other team's doing, you know what to key in on. And if the offense doesn't adjust away from it, there's nothing stopping you from just game planning around one player and taking out one player, and that's what was happening. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want to say the Patriots can't, like, I don't want this to sound like it's a good thing that Ramondre Stevenson's hurt, because it's not. He's a great player. But I guess... How do you you take advantage of it? Not even... I, I guess you hope that this opens the eyes to where they see it as... Well, these other guys aren't totally helpless with ball in their hands, right? Like that's what you'd think watching it. They don't trust these other players. And I'm not saying it's always going to be perfect, but Hey, these other guys can make plays too. So if we get them the ball, it's going to open up more opportunities for Ramondre Stevenson. Like it's a quality versus quantity thing. The quantity of his touches can go down and the quality will actually probably go up. There's like a, like a, a fulcrum or, or or tipping point or whatever there, right? Yeah, like, sure, they've gone so far to the quantity side, it's tanked the quality. And now you're seeing what happens when they get the ball in the hands of other players and they spread the ball out. Like, we always raved about this with Tom Brady, right? You know, they'd come out of a game, seven, eight, nine players would have targets. And that was routine. And I think we got used to that. It, that, that in itself, forget who the players are, forget how you're using them. That in itself is so hard to defend, and the Patriots really got away from it this year. Here's a chance for them to kind of go back to it a little bit. Totally.
0: And talking about, you know, not being predictable, you know, in the offense and the offensive play calling, and sort of getting into this Marcus Jones package that they've tried to unleash a little bit over the last few weeks. And it worked right away in the Bills game. Throw him a quick screen. He takes it like it's a kick return for a touchdown. And then it was almost as if they. Just tried to do it again and do it again, and it wasn't it wasn't really working. And I was like, okay, like let's get creative here. And I do want to give them, you know, I I trashed on them uh, post game uh, on our post game recap against the Cardinals on the offense. Just I mean, the offense it's not great in general, right? But I do want to give them a little bit of credit on sort of what they've done with this Marcus Jones package because kind of looking back on it and watching it again, and uh, you know, just checking out some breakdowns on it, and they're they're really. They're using this – so it's this orbit motion that – and I saw it broken down by Brian Hines from Pat's Pulpit. And basically – and it's an orbit motion. And I mean I ran it in college. We ran it with our RPO stuff. And so I was familiar with it when I saw it. And so it's basically a motion where you come to the line, you wrap around the quarterback, and then they can throw you a screen or vice versa. It's like a, a motion where you run behind the backfield. And so they used that with Jones early in the game, and they got it to him, and they got whatever, a completion, whatever. But now they're building off of it, and now they're using it as an RPO. And that's something I hadn't seen from them with Marcus Jones in the first couple weeks. So it's like, okay, you know, maybe there's something to this. So they, they send Marcus Jones in motion. They completed to him. If you look at the Patriots the last few weeks and the defense from a scouting perspective, you don't think there's anything else off that play. So the next time right. he runs in that motion, you're going to think the same thing's coming, but they actually did build off it and they handed the rock off because of the way the linebackers moved. So there is some improvement play calling improvement and they're starting to become a little bit more creativity in that you know RPO speed style offense I do wonder again still about you know the the reps Jones is taking every week and I wonder if this is something that you know is as easy to run with a guy like Tyquan Thornton and use him or another back like Pierre Strong use him as a guy and send him in those backfield motions and I mean, maybe that's something they'd start to do this week because they've gotten strong some
1: reps now. But I mean, I'm curious to see again too how they use this this package again. I would say Kendrick Bourne is a guy who you yeah. could probably run. I I don't remember if they ran him on orbit last year. I, I can I think they did with you know, Johnny Smith's another guy. I believe they did have him on some orbit motions last year. Sure. You know, that but that's th- like exactly what you just said, where it's great that we're seeing that now. It shouldn't exist with one package that's sort of gadgety right with it one player your, right right your corner having to come over and play offense like do exactly. that with the guys who are offensive players do it in multiple packages like this is day 1 of camp stuff we're talking about right. like this is totally. install stuff that we're now talking about on December 15th so this is like 6 months behind schedule right again i hope they build off it i hope that they don't just default to to being overly conservative cuz guys are out mm-hmm. but we'll see We'll, see. well, like you said, it's that
0: Shanahan style of not necessarily the play calling, but everyone can do everything in an offense. So, like, you see Christian McCaffrey can can run the slot and can come in motion and can right. split out, and a receiver and Debo Samuel and Jeff Wilson or whoever the case may be in that system kind of just y- you plug and play them everywhere. The Patriots don't have that yet. They just have Marcus Jones come in and we run this package where, you know, again, shift it up a little bit and hopefully again – they're they're injured, so you wonder if if and when that comes about. But that seems like the the reasonable next step in this process. Um, right. Anything else on the offense before we move on to D? I mean, um, it's going to come down to injuries, but yeah, that yeah, offensive yeah, it, line, it the offensive line and the D line is a huge mismatch that I do worry about. Hopefully, again, they take advantage of it with play the necessary. kids, man.
1: Play the kids yeah. and play Kendrick Bourne. Like let those right. g- get the ball in their hands and and let them create. I think that that right. I've been saying for months that's the best option for this offense. They now have no other option short right. of you know going back to the, the the game plan from the win game in Buffalo last year and just giving the ball to Damian Harris thirty five. Like those are two options because they can't drop back and throw it down the field. Not regularly they can do it in spots and we saw them hit Hunter Henry up the seam and I think there's room for that. But. In terms of what their their overall philosophy is going to be in this game, can't feature Kobe Myers. You can't take deep shots because you don't have the blocking for it. Right. You can't, you know, use Ramondre Stevenson as a dual threat player. It's either quick stuff yards after the catch to Kendrick Bourne and Tyquan Thornton, or it's running the ball 35 times to Damon Harris. That's pretty right. much who it is, and... I know running the ball 35 times with Damian Harris worked once. I don't think it works in this situation.
0: Yeah. I ultimately think that Max Crosby's going to end up having a field day, unless again they scheme it up. But I don't know how much, you know, how much confidence they've given us well, in them doing that. They so did,
1: far. but they did it last week and you bitched about it. But <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to take that shot. I shouldn't have done Go that. for it. No, I'll I'll hear it. I'm for they it. They did Let's that's go. what they did last week. That's why they ran 12 screens to right. offset that pass rush. And that's why they yeah. ran those orbit motions and those RPOs. Like this is. The offensive line, we've said this uh, uh, so much. We're going to say it a lot more over the, last, over the next four weeks and hopefully a couple more weeks after that. The offensive line is what it is at this point. It's really right. not going to get much better. Like maybe they sure. get win or could juice back, but neither of those guys have looked super promising this year. I'm not, you know, and Trent Brown doesn't have the flu, but it's, there's no room for it to get where it needs to be. Yeah. Trent Brown lost 12 pounds. Yeah. And, and glad he's doing better. Um, yeah. It's not going to get to the point where they want it to be to th- like regularly throw the ball to the deep part of the field like they did early in the year, right? So what are they going to have to do to work around that? Screens, draws, RPOs, play action, pre-snap motion, like all of these eye adjustment things. That's what they're going to have to rely on in order to move the ball offensively from here on out. You can love it, you can hate it. There, there isn't a better option. Saying, oh, well, no, they should just throw the ball down the field. They can't. They can't. Well, Mac holds the right. ball too long. Well, what do you want? Do you want deep developing routes? Like you you can't call for them to throw the ball down the field more and then tell me Mac holds onto the ball too long and takes too many sacks. He, they, these routes need time to develop. So, right. which one do you want? Honestly, screen them to death. That's kind of where I'm at at this point. I don't love it long term. They need to fix the, the offensive line in the offseason, and this is not a long term picture. But to make this playoff push to try to get to the playoffs here and maybe win a playoff game or two. Screen them to death. Sign me up. Screen time. The, baby. I will
0: say, I w- and you have me back, right? I lost my connection for a second, so okay. I'm here. You hear me? Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um. Yep. The, the I mean, again, you talk about bitching about it last weekend. It, it They ran it, and then they ran it again, and then they ran it again, and then they and it didn't work every time. So it was oh, like, so,
1: so they need to run a bigger variation of screens. Exactly, yes. Exactly. Correct. That's like, what okay. I was. So so th- yeah. So I think we're yeah. saying the same thing, just on different sides of it. Totally. I, I like the overall idea of what yes. they did against Arizona. I, I think the idea of, hey, we're going to stick with the short stuff. We're going to create all that. What, great. Now build on it. Now now, right. when, you, when you run that, that double pump where pump the screen to the left, turn back, screen to the right, throw the first screen one time. I dare you. I throw know. The fr- because it, like or, or different screens or like different looks, just you got to add to it. Right. I, I, I think that's if they can do that, there actually is something here with the offense. I don't know that it's, you know, they're not going to win any shootouts, but with like the, if, they're, <laughs> if their defense can play at a high level, there is right. something here. Where I think the offense can actually be close to competent if they, I don't know, for lack of a better word, like kind of what it is at this point, steer into the skid. If you steer into the skid and this is your identity right. where you can't get it blocked and. These long developed, the, the routes aren't timing up right. Well, then just do everything quick. Then right. then just do everything quick because it's what you can do. And you actually sort of have the personnel to make it work, but they have to want to do it.
0: Right. And you got to, again, you got to run it fluidly and not just bang your head against the wall. But again, right. that's what we'll, we'll see if they can make it happen. Um, before we get into the defense, I do want to talk about our friends at LinkedIn because these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. We use LinkedIn Jobs here at CLNS Media, and we truly can't recommend it enough. It's super easy to post your job, then add your listing and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience, so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. As we inch closer to 2022, now is the perfect time to add the right team member. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash beat. That's linkedin.com slash beat for free. To post your job for free, excuse me, terms and conditions apply. Uh, speaking on jobs, too, um, something that Tom Curran alluded to today on the offense, again, before we get Real the Real quick, do you want
1: the injury report? Yeah, let's hear it. Uh, Patriots upgraded Joe Cardona to full. Everybody else was the same. So Jacoby Myers was limited, even though reporters didn't see him at practice. And the okay. Raiders upgraded Dylan Parham, Sam Wegg, and Malcolm Cooch to uh, full. Okay.
0: So, yeah, relatively the same. So did um, – let's go – you know what? Let's go into the defense because um, did – who am I looking for? Uh, Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller. Are they back in the mix yet? Because they were so, designated to be able to practice, I, th- I thought.
1: Yeah, players who are designated to return don't need to show up on the practice squad. But, what about the injury report, though? Or on the injury report, sorry. Oh, who okay, okay. to return don't need to show up on the injury report. I'm not sure why Barmore's on there. I was actually a little surprised by that.
0: Yeah, that's why so, I thought that it would be the other way. Okay. Yeah, we don't know. All right. Well, let's talk about the defense, ag- or yeah, the Pats defense against this... Uh, Raiders offense because, you know, originally as I sort of started, you know, prepping for the show and taking a look at just this matchup in general, it was like, okay, Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams. That's what you have to worry about here. Jacobs obviously leads the league in rushing. Um, Patriots have a top 10 rush defense in terms of yards per carry. They're 12th in the league in terms of rushing yards per game. And then you go worry about Devontae Adams and then, you know, you figure it out and shut them down. But... Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller, both designated to return to practice. And according to Ian Rappaport today, uh, could likely play this weekend against the Patriots. So that adds a lot to this, Max, because that adds two guys who I'm pretty sure were both Pro Bowlers last year. They were both 1,000-yard receivers last year for the Raiders. So it adds a dime. I know it's going to be their first game back, and they haven't played much ball lately. But that's a stud tight end and a stud slot guy that you just have to— add to worry about in addition to the guy who leads the league in rushing and Devontae Adams.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's two completely different game plans defensively. If those two right. guys aren't out there, even, even if, you know, just one of them's out there it changes it because if you don't have those guys, like, I think Mac Holland's is a little underrated, but I, I don't think he's a guy that you, you need to worry about beyond a one-on-one assignment. So you can double. He's more
0: Devontae.
1: So, sorry. He's more right. so
0: with just a guy who, sort of had to take over that second wide receiver role because they lost Renfro and Waller and you can't throw to Devontae Adams every play. And so he's kind of, he's benefited from
1: that. Right. But I think he's a guy that, like, you can let him beat you and it's tough for the Raiders to operate. Right. So right. Yeah. Like you can focus your coverage heavy on Adams. You can throw, you know, you you, you can go single high, double Adams, stay in the box. And then it's, it's, you know, beat us throwing to Matt Collins one-on-one on the outside. and And right. that should be enough. You put one of Waller Renfro back in there and it changes things significantly. So 100%. it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out because if you do that, now you're talking about, all right, well, you need to go nickel because you need that third corner on the field. You're not matching up Renfro on a safety, right? right. But now you also do you want a box safety? You're going to need a safety on Waller, if not another tight end or not, if not another corner. Now you're really small and now they can pound the rock with Jacob. So I don't think people realize this. They haven't had Adams Waller. Actually, I have the number right here. Hang on. I want to make sure I get the number right. So Hunter Renfro or sorry, give me a second. So Darren Waller got hurt in week five, right? He played one, two, three, four, five. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hunter Renfro got hurt in week two, then returned in week five. Waller barely played any snaps in Week Five. That we only played eight snaps, so they basically haven't had Adams, Renfro, and Waller healthy for a full game since Week Two. Mm-hmm. And Gerard Mayo talked about that this week. It's hard to game plan for because you don't really know what that's going to look like. Right. They they really haven't had their full offense together on the field. So it yeah they're, they're, there's major damage potential there if they get all three of those guys going.
0: You also added to the mix. Again, it's it. It happens across the league, everywhere this time of year. But injuries against this too for the other on the other side of the on the other side of the ball because Jack Jones, Jalen Mills injured. Um, I mean, that's worrisome against Devonta Adams alone, right? And then you add into this this element, and it's uh. I, I don't know how much in general you know talking it through here. I don't know how much I love this matchup for the Patriots realistically. We'll we'll see what happens, but uh. Going back to the the rushing attack for the Raiders, because Josh Jacobs has been a monster this year. Patriots have also – they've only allowed one 100-yard rusher this season in Aaron Jones. Um, James Conner was actually second with 85 last week. Do you think they can handle Josh Jacobs and their rushing attack on Sunday?
1: I mean, getting Barmore back will be a big help, right? They actually have done pretty well against downhill rushers. The one caveat to that is – They've done much better against teams that run the ball out of the shotgun than teams that, like, they haven't faced a ton of teams that use traditional fullbacks, but they've struggled against those looks when teams do put a fullback on the field. Obviously, yep. the Raiders have Jakob Johnson. So this is where it gets even more complicated because you got to go with this light box now, right, to, to deal with all these weapons, and the Raiders are going to be plus one. in. Like, they can come out with Adams. Like, their, their best bet is to come out with Adams, Renfro, Waller, Jacobs, Johnson, because mm-hmm. if they do that, they can run the ball power and they have the plus one in the box with Jakob Johnson, but they also still have Adams, Waller, and Renfro on the field. Right. Of so it's just for any team, forget the Patriots. There's just so many mismatches there. It's, it's hard to even start digging into, you know, how are you going to do that? Like they've been good against the run, but a lot of those games have been situations where they were able to stack the box against the run. Right. You can't do that this week. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, they were able to take away DeAndre Hopkins last week. Part of that was they were able to allocate resources in the secondary to really smothering them. They weren't, you know, you you saw Robbie Anderson started to beat them. And they didn't necessarily shut that down. The Cardinals just for some reason never went back to it. Right. So there's just, there's, there's. I think this is why so many people what we're getting into here is basically why people are so high on the Raiders this year and right. why their record. You were high on the them
0: before you were high on them before they lost to Baker Mayfield last, the other last week.
1: Yeah. Hey, when well, we were talking about it on the show, I just think they're a different team when they have, they're a different team when they have everybody healthy.
0: So full arsenal at Derek Carr's disposal. Do, does he worry you as a quarterback? Because we talk about these great quarterbacks, and we we argued about it last week, and how the Patriots have yet to beat a serviceable quarterback in twenty twenty two. Really, if they have this full arsenal, does he does he worry you, and does that become
1: a problem? Yeah, I mean this this goes back to my this goes back to my net neutral theory, right? That the way to build Breaking a out team the theories the tonight Barth. in the modern NFL, and yeah, it's that kind of show. <laughs> the way to build a team in the modern NFL, and you're seeing teams do this. Like people, oh, it's a quarterback driven league. Yeah, it was until about two or three years ago. And teams realized that you can't, you can go into the quarterback carousel for 20 years and try to find a guy. It's so hard to do that. It's actually more efficient to take those resources. Because think about the resources you need to allocate to get a top flight quarterback. You really need a top 10 pick in the draft. You don't have that. And even if you do, you might need to trade up. Now you're talking about first round picks over two, three years, right? You got to bring that guy in. Then you've got to pay him eventually, which is going to take up a significant amount of your cap space. Right. You need to make sure you have an offensive coordinator with him. Like you've got to be very careful about his development, the littlest thing. You can take all those assets and all that risk and put it into let's call three first round picks. You go get a star wide receiver, franchise left tackle, and you know, an elite pass rusher shut down corner. The money you'd be paying the quarterback, you put that in a free agency. You go get another receiver. You build up that defensive front so teams can't run the ball. You go out, you you build up that secondary, right? So you have all these pieces in place. Now all you need is you don't need Patrick Mahomes. You just need a quarterback who doesn't suck, a guy called a net neutral, a guy who won't necessarily win you games, but he definitely won't lose you games. And that guy's much easier to find. And so are like it's easier to draft. It's easier to scout a left tackle than is a quarterback. The success rate on drafting tackles high is much higher than quarterbacks. The success rate on drafting receivers high league wide is much higher than it is drafting quarterbacks. All of these positions, quarterback is the hardest position to draft. So now you just need a guy who doesn't suck. And you know, so I, this is where my argument, I need the final footing. Nobody's won a Super Bowl like this yet. Teams have gotten close. The Titans got close a couple of years ago and they were the one seed last year. Right. I the Bills sort of used this format before Josh Allen really took off. But yeah, even like his last not great year, they were still a decent team. Um the Ravens are sort of Lamar's elite, but it's sort of an offshoot of this concept. The one I always go to is San Francisco 49ers.
0: I was just gonna mention that, but they've they sort the- of done they've done both with the Trey Lance thing. <laughs>
1: So, I don't think they should have drafted. I think them drafting Trey Lance was a massive mistake.
0: Yes, I agree. And they, they traded like three first round the-
1: picks. They deviated from the plan and it hurt them. Yep. Right. But you look at where they're at now, they have Brock Purdy under center and considered, you know, a Super Bowl contender. Another team, and they sort of slipped into this by accident, is Miami. Miami yeah. used a premium pick on a quarterback, which goes against the plan. But they picked up all these other picks that they've used to since add Bradley Chubb, Tyreek Hill, and Jalen Waddell. And they've right. built a very quarterback friendly absence. And look, two is not the guy that he's not a guy you take in the top 10, but he's at the very least net neutral and he'll get hot at times. He's maybe a little bit above, you know, this point. But to, to, to get back to the, the point at hand, right? Mm-hmm. Is Derek Carr an elite quarterback? No, he's not. But he's at the very least net neutral. I think he's a step above that, but he's the very least net neutral. You're Another example, you look at a guy like Jared Goff, who's going off in Detroit right, right. now, right? But I, I don't think, to, to bring it back from this whole rant, uh, I, I don't think Derek Carr on his own is a threat. Derek Carr in that offense, right. where he just With needs to facilitate. Healthy. And look, he's got a big arm. He can get the ball down the field. But where he can just sort of facilitate and let those other guys make the plays? Yeah, he absolutely has enough to beat you.
0: So building on that, that
1: plan. And I, I do is this the first time we've had this conversation? Me and Evan used to get, we would spend we'd get into this, we'd spend half a show arguing about it.
0: But why? This, what's the what's the what's the argument Evan, that it's not? Evan the case? Didn't,
1: Evan didn't believe in it for a long time. Evan didn't believe in it. He said, I mean, you need you need playmakers at such a high level to make it work. I think there's two teams that have proven you can get those three teams actually, if we include the Raiders. That have gotten those kind of playmakers in place, it is in fact possible to do. The Dolphins did it, even yeah, the with Dolphins taking a quarterback like that high, that too. right? Yeah. So this is, by the way, this is the plan I believe the Patriots should be following, and I think they are following, or trying to follow at least.
0: Right. I so mean, they I also drafted. They also drafted a quarterback well. relatively high. Yeah, exactly. But but um, anyway,
1: yes, Derek Carr in this offense. This is building your offense around your quarterback. They've done a great job of that. Assuming those guys are healthy is enough to beat you. If it's just Adams, well, now he needs to make some plays. Now it gets a little bit tougher, and then you see why they're five and eight. But with everybody healthy, it's just paint by color for him, and he'll be good enough. So let's then build on
0: this uh, fully healthy offense and okay. assume they're fully healthy. And before you know, before we put a ball on this, how do they cover a fully healthy Raiders offense on Sunday?
1: Well, we don't we don't know who they're going to have, right? Isn't that part of the problem here? So, um, so yeah, so. <laughs> let me think about it. Because um, I'm thinking of who who you sorry, can I'm sort so of distracted by this guy in the comments, buddy. Your caps lock is on. Which um, one? the guy Network? continuously typing in all caps. No. Um, no, I, see. I so I guess hypothetically, who can we assume is healthy and not healthy? Right? Are we going to assume well, so that Mills, Renfro Mills, and Waller? <laughs> Let's assume the Raiders are fully healthy. I'm talking about with the Patriots, right? Okay. So let's just go off of – let's say Jalen Mills is back this week. Let's just go off the injury report today. Jalen Mills is back this week. Jack Jones is not, right, because he didn't practice. (laughs) Right. I think you actually – I probably put Jalen Mills on Devontae Adams just because I'm worried about – he's so good at going up and getting the ball in just five, ten – John Jones, it's just as good as he's been, it's a natural mismatch, right? So I would, I think you go Jalen Mills with help on Devontae Adams. Honestly, I think you put Jack Jones back in the slot for this game. I think it's a game where you throw him back in the slot. Oh, John Jones. uh, Sorry, John Jones. John Jones. John Jones. Jones. I think it's a game you put John Jones back in the slot on Renfro. Yeah. Let Marcus Jones... Cover Mac, yeah,
0: yeah,
1: right, and then it's probably Duggar on Waller, but Doesn't now win that matchup, he's gonna get as close as anybody else, yeah, unless you want to. No, put I Jalen, I'm just unless right. you want to put Jalen Mills on him, and then what are you doing with Adams, right? But then, so that's probably. so now we have uh, Jalen Mills, a help safety. So Jalen Mills, a help safety on Adams, yep. John Jones in the slot. We have, I'm actually going to take out Marcus Jones and Matt Hollins for the point of this, but then you have yeah. Kyle Duggar on Waller wow. and you still probably need a deep safety. So now you have five in the secondary. This is, it. and then right. if they take Jakob Johnson off the field, and they put Mac Hollins in. Now you have six in the secondary to do this coverage plan. That's a light box. And now Josh Jacobs is just going to run the ball all day. So this is where it's tricky. It's a tough matchup this week. You're going to need somebody to play above and beyond, basically. That's what they're going to need, whether it's Jalen Mills, whether it's Jonathan Jones, whether it's Kyle Duggar. Somebody's got to go above and beyond and win their one-on-ones so that they can – and maybe it's Rust that helps you do that from either Renfro or or Waller. But somebody's going to have to win their one-on-ones so you can put coverage help elsewhere.
0: So – Let's put a bow on it, and I know you're not a predictions guy, but do they have what it takes to beat this Raiders team on offense, defense, and put it all together? I mean, yes, they have what it takes, but realistically, do you see them getting it done? Because I – and I'll sort of – sorry, let me build off that, and I'll sort of give my take first because when you look at it high level, and I guess that's sort of what this show is for, is to get deeper into it. Looking at it high level part of this game, you think, okay, Patriots – making it happen on both sides of the ball, just enough to win like last week. Raiders, not great. Lost to Baker Mayfield. They're in a low point. Patriots should win this game. And I do think, the Patriots will ultimately win this game. But when you really break it down, it's going to be tougher than it seems on a service level.
1: Yeah, so, well, the, the other... Element here is the Raiders have been terrible late in games, right? They've blown four yes. double digit halftime leads. Now, a lot of that's without Waller and Renfro, right? Right. So are they going to be better with those guys in there? I think the biggest thing for the Patriots, you have to get a lead early. Yeah. You have to get ahead early because if, so if they're going to win this game, the recipe is get ahead early, take the running game out of it. And we know Josh will abandon the running game relatively quickly. He'll still, yes, we all remember him running those shotgun draws on third and 12 when they're down like 10 points early in the fourth quarter. But for the most part, like he'll go away from the run if he gets behind a couple scores. Big picture. He'll mix some runs in somewhere, but the percentage of the play calling will skew heavier towards passing. If you can get ahead early, you don't have to worry about that run element. Now you can sit back in coverage. Those pass rushers can pin their ears back. You put pressure on Derek Carr and you force him to make mistakes. If they can do that, that's their. That's how they win the game. Now, how do they get ahead early? I talked about it before. You have to create after the catch. They need long catch and runs, or just runs, right, or, or just carrying the football. But they need guys like Pierre Strong, Kendrick Bourne, to step up and win with the ball in their hands, running across that first down line, not throwing across it. This is all easier and much said than done, of course. Right. I'm not saying this is what's going to happen. But if they're going to win the game, that's the recipe. Yards after the catch on offense, moving the ball on the ground on offense, yards after the catch on offense, and then getting using that lead to set the pass rush loose on Derek Carr and forcing him to make mistakes and then capitalizing on those mistakes on defense.
0: That's more in-depth, Alex. You know I'm a bigger vibes guy, and I think that the Patriots just have more to play for right now. The Raiders are down for the count. Patriots have more to play for. Again, you can read –
1: Dude, the football. Raiders are like sneaky still in the playoff picture.
0: Yeah, but like they're really it's tough. Whereas because it's it's Patriots, whoever doesn't win the AFC North between the Raiders and Bengals. Yeah. The Chargers and then the Raiders. So it's like three well, the, teams. So
1: it's pl- the it's the Patriots, Jets, and Chargers ahead of the, oh, Ra- the Raiders. Too. Let's not forget all three of those teams have very tough schedules. Yeah. And the I Raiders, just, I think i do I have the Raiders schedule here? The Raiders have games in hand. Hang on. being slow. The Raiders have games in hand against the... Nobody that matters. Oh, they do have a game in hand against Chargers. No, they don't, because they split with them. Okay. But they could, in theory, get a game in hand on the Patriots, not be a game behind the Chargers, and they didn't play the Jets, so the control their own destiny
0: it. though the pats control their own destiny they so do
1: I, I, but at that point they have i, to I guess for. how are you factoring the josh mcdaniels reunion into the vibes
0: i i i i think back to the first time they played uh when he was in denver and when he it was like his super bowl and yeah he was so freaking fired up after the game and flipping and whatever and i'm like. You know, as much respect and as much as Belichick and McDaniel's like each other, Belichick doesn't want to see that again. He doesn't want to see Josh do that again in a regular season game. And I'm sure that that's that's the rallying cry and that's the bulletin board material in the Vegas locker room this week. But I don't think Belichick lets it happen. I think, I think that's where you know that's where it ties in. But I don't think they will let it happen. You can read the rest of it. Me, my whole prediction on clsmedia.com. Yeah. But Patriots win. That's my prediction. All right. Go ahead. Yeah. So that no, good. That's where we're at. Uh, We do have plenty of non-Patriots news to get to. Um, We have a college football minute to. We're going to do it rapid fire because we have a lot to get to. But before before we do, I need to talk about our good friends at Rocket Money. It's the app that shows you all your subscriptions in one place. Do you because do you know how much your subscriptions really cost? You probably don't is 80% of people have subscriptions that they completely forget about. Most Americans think they spend $80 a month on subscriptions when the actual cost is closer to $200 or more. It could be an unused Amazon Prime account, a Hulu account, ESPN Plus, whatever it is, but they never get used and they just drain your bank account. You could literally be wasting hundreds of dollars each month on subscriptions that you don't know you're paying for. Not me, though, because I use Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill. I love this app. It shows you all your subscriptions in one place and then cancels whatever you still don't want to use. Rocket Money can even find subscriptions you didn't know you were paying for. You may even find out you were double-charged for a subscription. To cancel, all you have to do is press the cancel button, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Get rid of useless subscriptions with Rocket Money now. Go to rocketmoney.com slash patsbeat. Seriously, you could save you hundreds of dollars per year. That's rocketmoney.com slash patsbeat. Cancel your unnecessary subscriptions right now at rocketmoney.com slash patsbeat. Right there in the lower third, rocketmoney.com slash patsbeat. Go check it out. All right. I do have to do some maneuvering on the screen. Oops, that's not what I let's get us both on here. Come on.
1: The hell Mike. Got it. I thought. Did you? No.
0: Hi. Hi. Okay. Hi. (laughs) All right. Doing more maneuvering. I was really just trying to get us a college football minute background because Major news in the NCAA this afternoon as former Massachusetts governor, Charlie Baker, was named the NCAA's next president today. So it's funny. I thought and I was curious as to, you know, when he decided to not uh, continue on as governor and run again for governor of Massachusetts, I thought maybe he was going to take a run at the United States presidency. Turns out he went for a different presidency route and will become the NCAA's president in March. Alex, what do you think of this move?
1: It's a really fascinating move and it kind of tells you where the NCAA is at right now. He'll be the first NCAA president since the the first guy back in the fifties who just kind of founded the NCAA. So that's how he got the job. Um, But he'll be the first NCAA president really ever to not, previously have held the title of a president of a university or an athletic director of a, a major, you know, division one university. So, or any university for that matter, he's never worked in athletics. He's never worked yeah. in, in academics. He did play JV basketball at Harvard, but if that's what we're going by for qualifications, the next governor, Moore Healy actually would be more qualified. Yes. Cause she was the captain of the Harvard basketball team. And she actually played professionally overseas for a couple of years, but she also told me she likes this hat once. It's not why I wore it. Was just Look cool. at that. But yeah, Um the uh anyway, it, it's a fascinating hire because it tells you where the NCAA is at in terms of they know what their biggest issue is right now. And that's NIL name, image, and likeness. If you don't know, that's the mechanic that basically allows college players to get paid now and get these sponsorship deals. So NIL is in its infancy, and it's kind of a mess. That's not to say it's a bad thing. The players deserve to get paid. They do. But they the, the NCAA doesn't oversee it. Nobody really oversees it. They have some guidelines, in interim guidelines they put out last year, but yeah. they don't really cover everything. There's they add to them as they go as these new issues come up, because this was all this all started very quickly and there was no groundwork laid. And so it, just,
0: it snowballed on top of each other and no one right. knew what to do.
1: So individual states have their own NIL laws, but it creates these massive disparities in terms of recruiting and what schools can offer kids and stuff like that. So, what the NFL, with the with the NCAA, sorry, has pushed for for a long time is a a federal NIL law, a national NIL legislation, and that would obviously have to come from the U.S. government, from the Congress and the Senate. So, making a guy like Charlie Baker your president, a guy who has a political background, a guy who is, and I don't know a ton about politics, but from what I read, from what I understand, from talking to people who know politics, a guy who is known for dealing in a bipartisan way. Correct. Makes a lot of sense, because if you want legislation pushed through, he's a guy that's going to kind of enable that. And at the same time, on a smaller level, they're also still dealing a lot with the gaming industry and gambling, right? Sports gambling. And he's somebody who has a lot of familiarity in that arena, having just hopefully brought it to Massachusetts. I know it's been like approved, but it's still sort of
0: dragging. You could
1: probably talk more to that. Okay. Yeah. But he got it here supposedly. So right. It'll happen, but there's a lot of red tape, but yeah, I don't think he's, I don't think he's here to be, you know, the president of the NCAA for the next 30 years or whatever. Right. I, because it's an interesting hire for him. It's an interesting job for him too. His backgrounds in healthcare. He was the CEO of Harvard Pilgrim before he got into government. You know, he's a local guy. What's a local, you know, it's Massachusetts. It's college athletics. Trust me, the people who cover college sports in the South where it's really big are kind of freaking out about this. But my read on it is he's almost an ideal candidate to deal with the NIL stuff. I feel like you would probably yeah. want somebody with more of a background in law or at the very least a guy who has background in government and in college athletics, save maybe Tommy Tuberville. But I think <laughs> the idea is <laughs> that I, – I mean, you, you can't have a college football guy do it, right? It's got to right. be somebody who has a I, – I don't say that politically. I say that an AD, a school president, a guy right. who do, hasn't viewed it through the lens of one sport but has viewed it through the lens of an athletic department, right? I think you probably want somebody with a law degree or somebody who, does the, who has done that, but you get somebody – with the political background who can you hope can push something through, and then once he does that, all right, done here, step down, and then you go back to the university presidents and the ADs and the whatnot. So that's what I think it will look like. Who knows? But if they're really getting serious about NIL, they could do a lot worse than Charlie Baker. He actually makes a lot of sense. Right. Do you remember when uh, Jake Bacchett became like a – congressman Do you remember
0: him? Yeah. yeah he was he went to Arkansas he came to the Patriots and then ended up being like a congressman down there so yeah that's the other one but no I, I agree I think Baker it's I think it's fascinating I think you make a good point about just the bipartisanship in Massachusetts right uh, a very heavily democratic state that we live in in Massachusetts and he was a guy who you know ran as a conservative as relatively conservative and was the most well-liked government governor in the entire country according to most polls so like a guy that, again, you know, he just makes stuff happen regardless of party. And so, similarly, that's kind of what they want to get done with the NIL. So, again, good for Charlie Baker. I think it's yeah. fascinating. And, I, I always liked him here, so I think it's, you know, good good for the NCAA. I, I,
1: yeah, no, I, it's an interesting hire. I, I I think that there is a lot of potential here. I think there there is a real path to kind of coming out of this. where We're, we're looking at this in 5, 10, 15 years. And, you know, hey, Charlie Baker did a really good job with this. I don't think there's a world where we think he was worse than the guy who came before him because Mark Emmert is and was an absolute disaster for Mm -hmm. college athletics. All of them, football, basketball, baseball, hockey, gymnastics, field, like whatever. The guy sucked at his job. And the sooner he's out, the better. So no matter what, I think Charlie Baker makes progress over the last guy. It's just a matter of, you know, what can he really, if he gets national NIL legislation done, if if that gets done under his watch, yep, it's a home run hire. It's a home run hire regardless of what else happens, uh, and you know it's another notch on his belt. And what's a you know very impressive professional career for a guy from from Swampskit? Maybe I he runs say. for president after that. So here's the thing: if he ever wants to get back into politics, there is a really good chance here. And this is by coincidence. I tweeted this out earlier, and some people thought it was an actual quote from somebody. It is a joke. <laughs> yeah. There's a real chance here by coincidence that under, and and imagine me telling you this sentence three years ago under NCA president, Charlie Baker's leadership. (laughs) EA sports released a new NCA football video game. Mm -hmm. If that happens, if, if, and when that game gets released under his leadership, he's going to have the vote of every sports fan. Right? Like I I was going to give an age, not even like if he delivers us NCA football, yeah, he's got my vote. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, hundred percent. Anybody, if anybody does that, you've got my vote. So that could be fun.
0: But anyway, slowly again, like just that in itself. Slowly, but not actually dipping our toes into politics here on the show. As far as him being like a left wing, left wing, right wing type of governor here, and maybe wanting to dip his toes into becoming the president, and not thinking he'd have he'd have the South or the rights vote because of that. If he does, if he does a good job with college football, and he wants to be, he could be the next president of the United States. So again, we'll we'll see what happens. But
1: uh, I'm not a very political guy. But right. anybody who delivers NCAA football like a new video game, they they they've got it figured out. I trust. Yeah,
0: them. yeah, totally. So let's uh, let's move on to Boston sports. Uh, do you want the good or the bad first, Alex?
1: Um. So actually, can we just fit a quick Patriots thing in here? Because people have been asking this a lot in the chat. I do want to bring it up. Um, oh, yeah, I tweeted this I know it's the Patriots too. thing. Yeah. Um, so if you haven't seen it, there's a, a mic'd up with, with Bill and DeAndre Hopkins gushing over each other before the game on Monday. I wouldn't rule it out. I don't think it's likely, but, you know, we talk about can they add that number one? Can they add that star stud receiver there, Tyreek Hill, there, A.J. Brown, whoever? the people instantly go to the draft class? Well, whose contract's up? People brought up Jerry Judy, who I like. They brought up Brandon Ayuk. Hopkins, though, like, first of all, I, I think he's still a, a great player. And I see some people say, I don't want him. Look at how he fumbled the ball. He won't do that in England. They're right. going to coach that right out of him. Like, let's, yep. you're going to turn on the guy because of one play. That's not how this works. He's a top five receiver in the league. He still is. His contracts in a weird spot where he has a very minute. Manage- so when he got traded to Arizona from Houston, he signed a two-year extension that kicks in starting like this upcoming season. Right. So his cap hit goes from 15 million this year to 30 million next year, and then 26 million the year after that. This is a team that just signed Kyler Murray to a big contract. They're going to need to sign Hollywood Brown. They're probably going to need to sign Zach Allen. Uh, Bud- Buda Baker is going to be up soon, right? They have 30 free agents next year, and they're not going to sign all of them. But they have right. 30 pending free agents next year. They're projected to have between 20 25 million dollars in cap space. Hopkins will not play under that contract. Now right. they can restructure it. There's an out in the deal this spring. they have to take it by, I believe it's March 22nd, where they can open up anywhere from four to eight million dollars in cap space. It doesn't sound like a lot, but it is. Now they could restructure his deal, they could extend him, they could release him. that opens up, I think, 11 million. or they could trade him. and if they trade him, the new team's going to need to give him a deal right? You're not going to trade for him and take that 30 million dollar cap it, but right his contract's going to need to be addressed and If Kyler's going to be out and who knows what's going on with the coaching situation, he may not want to do a deal, right? Like what is he, he, he's got a couple good years left. So these are all ifs, but I'm just saying this would be the path, right? Bill clearly loves him. He clearly loves Bill. If I'm the, so the other, the other part of this, right? His price has been set because he was just traded. He was traded for a second round pick. He was traded with a fourth round pick for a second-round pick, a fourth-round pick, and whatever was left of David Johnson, which was nothing. David Johnson, yeah. Yeah, nothing. It's a horrible trade, but that's that's what Price is set as. And since then, he's struggled to stay on the field. He played 10 games last year due to injury. Now he's a PED suspension on his resume, right? And So while the overall price of receivers has gone up, thank you, Tyree Kill, there's a set price for Hopkins, right? There's a set value. Those two probably net out. The increase in price and receiver and his value diminishing since that trade with age and the PED suspension, you know, does a second and a fourth turn into a first and a fourth? Maybe, maybe I would do that to get Hopkins. And then if you're the Patriots, what do you do? So he has the cap hits of 30 and 26 million, right? Yep. The cash due is actually less than that. It's, about $40 million total over those two years. And different websites have it broken up different ways, but it's about $40 million over those two years. Where we'll, the have cap have Ma- or- we'll have
0: to have Miguel on at some point to break this right. down for us
1: further. Honestly, we do. Uh, yeah. And the cap hits will be closer to 60, right? So Hopkins isn't wouldn't necessarily be opposed to a restructure because he's not necessarily going to leave money on the table. Right. What I would do if I'm the Patriots, if you can pull this trade off, three years, $50 million. He adds 10 million to what he's making. The cap numbers come way down and spread out, and he adds an extra year on his deal, and he now, you know hits for agent. you get him through the age 33 season. You give him another year right. of security. Does that get it done? I don't know. I think that it you know, it doesn't feel unrealistic, right? Right? Especially based off what he's making now. that that would be my that 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 would be how it would happen. I don't know if it does. Maybe right. he decides to stay in Arizona. Maybe some teams willing to get stupid and give up multiple firsts for him. Two firsts or something. Yeah, right. Exactly. If it I would give up a first for him, like a first and a late day two, early day three pick. If it takes that and then three years fifty million, I'd do that in a second. Makes and sense. And he is, it, by the way. That don't don't talk to me about age. Don't give me he fumbled one time in a game. No, 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 no,
0: no, no. No, he's he's still good. He can. Play. He
1: is a top five receiver. He is that true number one X. Y'all have been clamoring for, and uh, me too. I shouldn't say that. I would love them to get a guy like. If you want to unlock Mac Jones to the extent you think he can be unlocked, that's the guy. You talk about a net neutral and put playmakers. I was going to say him, that's, that's, that's a playmaker.
0: I was just going to say that goes towards your uh, net neutral theory, and that's another guy who you bring in. You use a pick, and you you know you grab a stud, a stud wide receiver one to pair with whatever else you have here in New England. So, I think he'd be a great Patriot. I think he could you know he could last longer than uh, some people think. So yeah, I mean I'm for it. I th- again, I love the the back and forth that was you know tweeted from uh, Hard Knocks as well, and I, yeah. I liked. Hopkins quote of you know I just do my job like that was perfect
1: yeah that that felt like an Easter egg
0: didn't it yeah yeah Yeah. it really did so good stuff but um all right let's quickly rapid fire Boston Sports Minute because two things and then we'll get out of here two things you want to go to the bad first uh let's do the good because that's gonna be quick okay perfect Rob Williams set to return uh, to the Celtics lineup I believe is it Friday night Friday night Friday night Um, against the Magic yeah so or tomorrow that's huge that's huge for this team who. Is already playing so well. They hit a little bit of adversity right uh, you know, towards the end of last week, early this week, losing two games in a row. But then they go out in LA. Tatum scores 44, they come back against the Lakers, they show resiliency. Missoula again, coach of the year, Tatum's the MVP, and then you add Rob Williams, who, if he had a full healthy season, could have probably competed for defensive player of the year and is just a dominant force inside where they've sort of mended the fence with him gone, but he's just gonna add so much to this team.
1: Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think it's great. My, my, one thing is be, just be careful, ease him back yeah, in. Yeah, totally. Doesn't need to play back to backs. Like the point is him being healthy in April, not in right. January. So yeah, I'm excited to see what he looks like. Obviously, the Celtics team's a lot of fun right now, and he might be their second most fun player beyond Jason yeah. Tatum, just in terms of watching a guy play. Yep. So I'm, I'm pumped. I'm pumped. Yeah. I just you know keep him healthy first and foremost. If he's only playing once a week, he's only playing once a week until the playoffs. Fine, keep him healthy. Right. Yep, do it. Um,
0: That'll help in the, down the stretch. So, uh, to the bad, um, the Red Sox announced the signing of, um, I don't remember his name. Yoshida. Something my, Yoshida. Yoshida something. But again, the, the player they signed from Japan, and they needed to clear a roster spot, and to do so, they designated second baseman Jeter Downs for assignment, who was the main piece in the Mookie Betts deal three years ago, whenever that was. And so we slam the Red Sox here every single week, it feels like. And the fact that you're now, whether it was not the right deal or whether you're not giving the guy enough of an opportunity, it just did not feel like the right move for this franchise right now. And it just continues to show how poorly they're run.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's pathetic. It's, it's yeah. frankly pathetic that they traded Mookie Betts for nobody. Alexander you know, right. Bo- uh, um um Alex Verdugo's replacement Verdugo. level outfielder is essentially yep. he allowed them to trade Ben and who they got nothing for. Yep, he's going to be gone in two or three years. Chris Catillo, uh, Catillo of of Mass Live, said the other day that he's probably on the on the trade block, mm-hmm. or he might be I've on the trade block. Too. You know, Jeter Downs is gone, just gone. He was supposed to be the top prospect in that class. He was the guy who's going to play second base, so he didn't need to sign Trevor Story. He's mm-hmm. gone. Connor Wong, whatever. He's the third catcher. Great. You traded yep. Mookie Betts for your third catcher. And at the time of the trade, it, the, the selling point was we can't keep all three of Betts, Bogarts, and Devers. So, and actually Benintendi was in there too. It was four. It was, he can't yep. keep all four. So <laughs> by trading Mookie Betts. Joke. By tr- Look, I don't think they could have kept all four, but they could have let Benintendi. No, no, but no they're all going to gonna be Benintendi. gone at this rate. Right, well, that's the thing. And so you (laughs) twist the knife that, all right, fine. You traded Mookie Betts so you can keep Bogart's endeavors. Fine, let's take that at face value. We shouldn't, but let's take that at face value. Well, Xander Bogart's is now gone, and the guy you got in the trade to allow you to keep Xander Bogart's is also gone. So what exactly in the hell were you doing? What exactly in the hell was Sam Kennedy doing? I'll tell you what he was doing. There was a piece in in, in, in the, uh, the, the Sports Business Journal today yep. about Charlie Baker being named the president of the NCAA. Do you know where they got that idea from? Do you know where the firm bit. that did the job search got that idea from? They asked Sam freaking Kennedy. There's a quote in the article. The, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts yep. is puppet mastering the NCAA right now between the president of the Red Sox and the government of the Commonwealth. Meanwhile, the president of the Red Sox is letting the face of the franchise walk right out the door. I it's great. I love that. I, I, I no love that Charlie People. Baker's yeah. the president of the NCA. I love it. Sam Kennedy should be focused on that. Right. Yep. Sam Kennedy should be pleading with ownership to spend like they should be spending to run this ball club. It's and, and look. Does letting Jeter Downs go change the outlook of the season? No. Does it change the organizational direction of the Boston Red Sox? No. Trading for him in the first place did because he right. can't play. But it just adds to it. Did DF? I'm sorry. There's all these other guys you could have DFA'd. Guys, you were clearly fine losing because you lost them in the Rule 5 draft. Right. Or no, those guys weren't on the 40. But there's all these other guys you could have DFA'd. Guys, you're good at DFA here. You had a DFA Jeter Downs today. It's insane. Today, it, to the decision the, just baffles me. To make room for the guy you paid instead of paying Xander Bogarts, who you were supposed to keep because of the trade that brought you Jeter Downs. Get out. Get it's out awesome. of here.
0: So, what do you it's, think of Dansby it, Swanson? It's
1: so frustrating. There's now I the, think, the I think their he's gonna interest be kings with now. The Cubs. I think Dansby okay. Swanson be great with the Cubs. That's what I think of Dansby Swanson. No, okay. your second, the second baseman, if we're lucky, is going to be Josh Harrison, who I like, who I like, but and they still don't have a pitching staff. By the way, even if they bring in Dansby Swanson, let's not forget about that. They still don't have a pitching staff. Unbelievable how we it's went. Through, they were on the precipice of just yeah. And look, Yoshida might might be able to play. He might be a player. I don't know. Yeah. You add Yoshida, you add Kenley Jansen. They add some piece in the bullpen. You get a closer. They were doing all the ancillary moves they needed to make, and they've made all the ancillary moves they needed to make. Right? right. They needed a leadoff hitter. They got a leadoff hitter. They needed to build up the bullpen. They built up the bullpen. We'll see what they ultimately end up doing. Bill, I was like, all those ancillary moves only meant anything if he kept Sander Bogarts. Yep. Right. It's almost like with the with the Patriots. They made a bunch of the ancillary moves they needed to make this off season. They added a, a, a deep threat receiver in Devonte right. Parker. They they bolstered they their secondary, linebacker, yep. drafting Jack Jones and Max. Right. They added spe- all that, but it doesn't matter when you don't replace Josh McDaniels. It doesn't matter when the primary move isn't made. Right. The Red Sox and that that's like the Patriots did that at kind of a low level. You usually don't talk about that in terms of coaching staff. That's kind of a stretch of an analogy. I I, I almost want to walk it back, but. For the Red Sox, holy hell! Did you miss the point? They had the core in place. They just needed everybody else. You had, you had your three, four, five. You had Devers, Bogarts, I Think Cassis is going to be in there, right? You know, yep. it was. They they had they had, they do have some young pitchers I like. They do have some young starting pitchers I like. They, just, they need a bullpen. Get a fourth outfielder, leadoff hitter, and like you're in pretty good shape. They were probably right. better than their record indicated last year. All right, so they add the bullpen pieces. They had the leadoff hitter. Oh, 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 we're building to something here, here right? Go. But now Xander Bogarts has gone. Your lineup sucks, mm-hmm. and there's no faith that they can keep Rafael Devere. I, 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 I gotta stop. You could go I on. Can keep, no, I'm talking in circles now. It's, it's been. Don't, land. don't, it's- don't call me a Red Sox hater. This is not me hating the team. This is not me saying I'm not a fan of the team. This is me being frustrated that something I care deeply about is being taken out behind the barn. That's what this is. And that's what's happening. And it's a damn shame. I'm with you. It's awful. It's a disgrace. And again,
0: like you said, hating on the team. It is it's hating on the team. And I I'm a red so- I want to be a Red Sox fan. It gets harder and harder to do what feels like daily. And so it's a disgrace. But let's let's put a bow on this guy. We'll and the Bruins take-
1: are good though. Bruins yeah, the Bruins win.
0: are great. Yeah, the Bruins are awesome. The Bruins, still Bruins wagon. Are all- Celtics wagon. Red Sox disgrace. But uh quickly before we go, there's a night football. Last week, I took Baker Mayfield, I won. It was an unbelievable Thursday night football game. This week, 49ers at Seahawks, 49ers minus three, Brock Purdy will play, which again, it's like, oh, thank God Brock Purdy's playing, but that's what it's down to right now in San Francisco because their quarterback room consists of now Brock Purdy, Josh Johnson, and Jake Eason. Uh, So if it it wasn't Purdy, it was going to be Jake Eason dressing for the first time in San Francisco history, and... Them going with maybe Josh Johnson. So again, Purdy's gonna play
1: Niners minus three. Seahawks, they've been middling. Who do you like? Give me the Niners, baby. Yeah. You know, and I know you know because I sent you the stat. But I'm gonna set it up this way anyway. Yeah. In the last three years, you know how many deep touchdown passes Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> threw? Two. It in, la- in the in the second quarter last week. Yep. Do you know how many deep touchdown passes Brock Purdy threw? Two. Purdy's got this thing humming. I know they're down Debo Samuel. That hurts. Yeah. Hopefully they get him back for the playoffs. I'm like all in on the Niners now. Hopefully they get Debo back for the playoffs. It hurts not having him tonight, but the Seahawks feel like a team that's on a bit of a backslide. I think they got hot early. They had that chip on their shoulder. Geno Smith was a great story, but I think they're coming back down to earth. You're seeing that regression to the mean a little bit. Uh, Kenneth Walker's banged up. He's such a huge part, right, of what they do. Yeah. I, I I'm going with the Niners tonight. I like the Niners. Purdy keeps going, man. Cause I'll tell you you know what Brock Purdy you is. You love like? it. Brock Purdy is a winner. Brock Purdy oh is a God. winner and he wins games. That's what he does. Give me Brock Purdy.
0: I can't disagree with you because just like Jimmy Garoppolo, all Brock Purdy does is win. Um I agree with the so Niners you're saying
1: pick. Brock Purdy and Jimmy Garoppolo are the same quarterback.
0: I'm saying they're winners. They have they have what it takes to win NFL football games. Okay. For the sake of the podcast, I'm going to take the Seahawks plus three to go against you. Um, they're at home. I'll convince myself into it. I have a pick'em league. I think I took the Niners. But for the sake of the pod, I'll take the Seahawks.
1: Home team on Thursday night football. Like, the home team wins on Thursday night football in an inordinate amount of the time. Compared right. to the, I think the average home team wins like 52% of the time. That number goes up to like 55-56 on Thursday night football. So, never wrong picking a no home Hawks. team on Thursday night football. Yep. Go Hawks. Um, all right. Well, that'll do it
0: for us. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. Um, the Patriots, again, taking on the Raiders on Sunday, four oh five in Vegas. Uh, what feels like a must win every single week. Uh, once again, New England has that in front of them. We'll be back next week on uh, early next week to break that one down. Uh, until then, he's Alex Barth. I'm Mike Cadlick. Follow him on Twitter at Alex Barth. Read him on the Sports Hub. Same for me on CLNSmedia.com. Follow me on Twitter at MikeKathik. We'll see you early next week. Again, thank you guys for watching. See you soon.